Hello, friends. Once again, it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus. I want to back up just a moment. <laughs> Hello, dear friends. I hope I don't say that so much that you take it for granted. Because if you are friends in any sense uh, of agreement uh, and support of this ministry, we are so very, very grateful for you. Your encouragement is so very important to us. And we're encouraged by when I even read numbers of how many people people come to the website and if you're listening that means you are listening live or downloading from one of the areas uh, of, of the web and we are grateful to you for that we encourage you to pray for us uh, as we reach out with the good news of Jesus to a world to a bad news world a world in desperate need of good news amen in these last day scenarios that are occurring around Around the world today. Jesus is coming soon, and we are as Christians to occupy until He comes. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, we don't have any choice. If he don't yank us out of here, we got to stay here and endure it. Well, occupying means more than just enduring. It means continuing to keep the faith in the face of all the contradictions and contrary winds of the culture. Amen. And all of the, uh, all of the aggressive uh, attacks of the enemy of our soul. It means keeping the faith faith so that our light may continue to shine in the deepening darkening darkness of the last days so we are we are entering into a time of great persecution but we're also entering into a time i believe of a great witness of the good news of jesus through the body of the lord jesus christ i'm not talking about a particular denomination or organization i'm talking about a church that that is a building fitly framed together for a habitation of god by the holy spirit hallelujah and a supernatural entity not just a man-made organism or organization praise god amen we can't fight an enemy like the devil with with the forces of our dogmas and doctrines in and of theirself even though they might be correct we have to fight him with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and the armor of god well having said that let's get into the word today on the subject is repentance necessary to salvation is repentance necessary to salvation? Is it a work to obtain salvation or it is a work necessary for salvation to occur? Is it something we do as a work or is it something that God does as a work within us and we respond to that? Well, that's kind of complicated. So let's, let's break it down. I used to uh, go to the break room when I was bivocational for 12 of the 48 years of, of ministry. I was bivocational. I worked in a a production plant, and every break, the people would come to me with biblical questions, uh, and uh, and they would say to me, particularly young men, would come to me and say, "Here's the scripture that we underline." They pull out one of these little New Testaments, pocket New Testaments. I had to put on my glasses and squint to see, uh, but they would have it underlined, and they'd say, "Can you break?" 
this down to us. Break it down to us. That's what I'm endeavoring to do as a pastor and as an evangelist is to take the Word of God and break it down that we might see it clearly, hear it clearly, appreciate it and appropriate it in our life. Praise God. So let's break down the Word on this subject today. Is repentance necessary to salvation? And there are some people that would say to repent is a work, and and it's not of works. I want to say up front, I believe that salvation is a work of God in man's behalf, and in no way man's work in God's behalf. True salvation is vitally important, because many are going to say, on the day of judgment, Lord, Lord. And they're going to talk about what they did in His name, even spiritually, what they did in His name. And He will say, Depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. Someone said it clearly one time, You don't want to wait uh, until your dying breath, thinking that you're saved with a false security, and hear footsteps coming down the hall and think it's angels coming to bear you away to heaven when in fact it is demons coming to claim your soul from hell. A friend of mine, that's a strong statement to make. But this is an important issue, isn't it? When you really think about it, when it gets down to the common denominator, to the, to the absolute result of believing or not believing the gospel, Friend of mine, it comes down to where you and I are going to spend eternity. We can't waffle on this. We must not waver on this. We can't get on the talk shows and deny that Jesus is the only way to God and that we need to repent of our sin and receive Christ as our Savior. We, we, we must not continue down this slippery slope of compromise. So let me say it clearly up front. I believe that salvation is by grace through faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is not, it is not that any work of man on, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There won't be anybody in heaven bragging about all the good works they did in order to merit there. It is un, grace is unmerited favor. But let me tell you this about repentance. Repentance of sin is not a work of man to earn or merit salvation. It's a work of God in man to bring him or her to saving faith that produces a change of heart and mind, a turning from and a turning to. You see, that's what the Apostle Paul's calling was. Let's read his calling and see what repentance is in the heart and mind uh, that allows God to give us this gift, <laughs> amen, of salvation. Verse 15 of Acts 26, after his encounter with Jesus, amen, uh, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, 
to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Listen, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. You see, repentance in the military sense would be about face where you click your heels and you do a 180 degree turn. It's a turning first of the heart and the mind. But when the heart and the mind is turned, then the life can be and will be changed. It is coming in cooperation with God to change our behavior. But it it's not the changing of behavior earning salvation. It is the changing of the mind that salvation be granted. Amen. And then the life begins to reflect the change. In other words, we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. To work out means it's occurred within, and now what has happened in us is being worked out. It is reflecting out, praise God, out of your belly or innermost being shall flow these rivers of living water, amen, showing up in our life and being observed by people around us, making us the light of the world. Praise God. To open their eyes, illumination, to turn them from darkness to light. Amen. Transformation and from the power of Satan unto God. Amen. That they might receive what? Forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified through faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins. Amen. Look with me at Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. It said, Now that John was put in prison, remember John the Baptist came preaching repentance, baptizing unto repentance, Preparing the way, repent and be baptized. Amen. Preparing the way for the Messiah to come. He was going to bring a message of repentance when he came and he was getting people ready to receive the Messiah and receive his message of repentance. Baptizing them unto repentance. Make the crooked path straight and prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now he's in prison and Jesus has come and he's decreasing that Jesus might increase. Look at Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. John the Baptist preached repentance because the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus preached repent because the kingdom of God has come when he came. Hallelujah. The king 
came, and therefore the kingdom of God came. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance precedes believing. Look at it again. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. When we leave the repentance out and just present the gospel as just something you believe without dealing with the sin issue at all, without turning from darkness to light, without turning from Satan unto God. You, you, you can't serve two masters, Jesus said. You will hate one and love the other, love one and hate the other. It's virtually impossible to serve God and mammon simultaneously. The apostle said you can't eat at the table of devils and the table of Christ simultaneously. Listen, repentance precedes believing the gospel. It is, it is in fact essential to believing the gospel. In effect, it's two sides to the same coin. In the modern, progressive, seeker-friendly church, where sinners who resist conviction and tenaciously cling to their sins, we're, they're told it's okay. Just believe. You, you, you don't want to go to hell. Here's a free ticket to heaven. And not only a free ticket to heaven, but a, you know, a ticket to riches and a ticket to wealth and a, and a ticket to, and I believe in divine healing. I, I was dying of cancer. God healed me or I wouldn't be here preaching to you. Amen. When I was a child, they gave up on me. <laughs> they, they didn't even have the modern technology. I'm a product of the laying on of hands and the power of the name of Jesus and what happened at the cross to purchase my salvation and therefore allow God to do a mighty work in me, amen, because of his stripes and because of his love and his grace and his mercy and his power. To God be the glory today, amen. But listen, in the modern, progressive, seeker-friendly church, where sinners who resist conviction and cling to their sins are told it's okay. That's all there is to it. Just believe. There's no conviction of sin and no repentance from sin. And I believe there are many that believe they are saved. And listen, I'm going to put it as plainly as I can today. You do not want to wait until your dying breath you do not want to wait until your dying breath and you hear footsteps coming down the hall and it's not doctors and it's not nurses and it's not the, the cleaning people and it's not someone visiting somebody and you assume it is angels coming to take you to heaven and you discover that it's demons coming to claim your soul for hell. Sin is serious and hell is real and that's why if there's something necessary to salvation that is not being preached or that we have not embraced i want to hear it i deserve to hear it in fact i demand to hear it because i am serious about going to heaven how about you if you're sitting in a 
church. I'm not talking about just if you're sitting in a church and you, regardless of what kind of religious system you're in, if you're in a temple, you're in a church, you're in a place where you're supposed to be hearing the word of God and there's no conviction of sin and, and there's no call to repent of sin and yet salvation is being offered. I believe that there's a false sense of security that can happen under those circumstances. And if you have a false sense of security, Jesus said this about that. And there are many. That's what's so disconcerting to me and dis- and, and disheartening to me and, and really horrifying to me. Many will say to me in that day, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Now remember what Jesus said. He said, Why callest thou me Lord and do not the things which I say? Before this, before this time of judgment occurred, why call me Lord and do not what I say? You see, many people want salvation, but they don't want His Lordship. They want salvation, but they want to continue in their sin. None of us are sinlessly perfect, but salvation is something that occurs when we repent and believe. And then the resources of heaven are ours so that sin doesn't reign in our body anymore. That's why the scripture said in First John, he that committeth sin is of the devil. And that means to live habitually in sin without any compunction about it and no conviction about it who really doesn't want to change listen we can't change ourselves it's clear in the old testament it says can a leopard change their spots we know he can't can god change us from the inside out yes he can and he listen someone said he loves us so much that he will forgive us just like we are but he loves us too much to leave us that way praise god that's why i said it's god now that worketh in you if you're truly saved it's god that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure when he's able to come into our heart and when we invite him into our life as our lord and savior He's going to begin a work within us that begins to work out into our life. Amen. We are, we are not saved by good works, but we are called unto good works. Hallelujah. Friend of mine today, I want to know that I know that I know that I have repented of my sin and received Christ as my Savior. Listen. John the Baptist's message was to repent and believe that salvation was coming. Jesus' message is to repent and believe that salvation is now here. To repent in the Greek means to change one's mind. This is not a work that we do outwardly. It's something that occurs inwardly that allows God to grant unto us this wonderful gift of salvation where the Holy Spirit comes to abide within us. Christ comes to abide within us. It's not only remorse for sin. It's a changed attitude that chooses to live for God. That turning from Satan unto God that Paul was talking about. To believe from the Greek means to be fully 
convinced to believe and to repent go hand in hand. I'm going to make a statement. It's impossible to fully believe in Jesus and his message of salvation and not be willing to turn away from our sin. Christians will never be perfect on this earth, but sin no longer reigns in our mortal body. Amen. To fulfill it in the lust thereof. When we want to follow God and we're sorry for our sin and we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we turn from darkness to light. We turn from Satan to God. We turn from that we might turn to. Oh, dear friend of mine, repentance precedes believing. It is, in fact, essential to believing the gospel. Listen, this wonderful message of salvation by grace is the great truth, the good news, the gospel. But it involved receiving Jesus' message and John the Baptist's message that preceded him. And the message from St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, 46 through 47, 46 and 47. It says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness, there it is, of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Praise God. Amen. Listen, repentance and believing. Second Corinthians 7, 9 through 11, one translation says, yet now, I'm going to read it more practical. Listen, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow bringeth repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself. Listen, godly sorrow worketh repentance. And that's what happens when in our heart we repent. It brings us to a place of turning. It's, it's like a rudder that's turning the ship in another direction. Praise God. And God doesn't force His will upon us, but He reveals His will to us that we might obey it. When we get a heart to obey, praise God, then all of heaven's resources are ours when we will to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We're going to find the power to do it. Amen. For it's God that worketh in us, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. I want to read to you something today about what, what actually the Prince of Preachers, <laughs> Charles H. Spurgeon said in about Joel chapter 2 and verse 13. See if it doesn't fit what we're talking about here today. Rend your hearts and not your garments. This is what he said about this particular scripture and how it relates to us today. See if it doesn't fit perfectly in this theme is repentance necessary to salvation. 
Rend your heart and not your garments. Garment rending and other outward signs of religious emotion are easily manifested and frequently hypocritical. But to feel true repentance is far more difficult, consequently far less common. Men will attend to the most multiplied and minute ceremonial regulations. For such things are pleasing to the flesh, but true religion is too humbling, too heart-searching, too thorough for the taste of the carnal men. They prefer something more ostentatious, flimsy, and worldly. Outward observances are temporarily comfortable. Eye and ear are pleased. Self-conceit is fed. Self-righteousness is puffed up. But they are ultimately delusive. For in the article of death and at the day of judgment, the soul needs something more substantial than ceremonies and rituals to lean upon. Can you hardly amen that great truth? Listen, apart from vital godliness, all religion is utterly vain. Offered without a sincere heart, every form of worship is a solemn sham and an impudent mockery of the majesty of heaven. Isn't there a scripture in the New Testament before I finish reading what he said? Isn't there a scripture that said the perilous time would come in the last days and men would be all of these things because they would love themselves and love pleasure more than God? Didn't it say they would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof from such turn away? This is hard words to say, but it's necessary to say it. If you're in a church where you are living in, in absolute sin that you know the Bible condemns and you are not convicted of it, confronted with by it, by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, and you continue in it with no conviction, and you, you've been given a free ticket to heaven, uh, and you believe sincerely in your heart that you're ready to die because everything that you need to stand before God, you now possess. Because you walked down, recited a creed, recited a dogma, you, you bought into, to what was being brought to you, and you got your free ticket to heaven without ever repenting of your sin and ever receiving Christ after repenting of your sin. The gift is given after repentance. There is no gift of salvation without repentance in the Word of God. I would sincerely say that you need to rethink where you attend church and what you are hearing because it's your soul that is on the line and there is a Bible that you can read for yourself and you need to get in the Word of God and get in a church. If, if you listen, one of the greatest blessings that we've received, one of the greatest confirmations we've received of our ministry is when someone came to our church and said, to someone else, and of course it got back to me, <laughs> and they said, I would come to, to, to Brother Venable's church. I, I would come. I would love to come to Brother Venable's church, but every time I come, I feel convicted of my sin. It's an uncomfortable feeling. I get that, but I'm so glad to hear 
that someone felt convicted of their sin. That's what Paul was talking about. You're uncomfortable. You feel awful because of sin. But that uncomfortableness, this godly sorrow worketh repentance, and repentance is going to bring true salvation and restoration. <laughs> Praise God. Thank God. If you Listen, if you hang out with, with this ministry and you're living in sin, you're going to feel your heart will be pricked like the Bible said it was in the book of Acts. Amen. But that's a that's God saying, I don't want you to die in that sin. I don't want that sin to control you. I don't want Satan to destroy you. I want to save you. I want to seal you. I want to secure you for heaven. Glory be to God. Amen. Let's continue to read this today. Heartrending is divinely wrought and solemnly felt. It's a secret grief which is personally experienced, not in mere form, but as a deep, soul-moving work of the Holy Spirit upon the inmost heart of each believer. Not a matter to be merely talked of and believed in, but keenly and sensitively felt in every living child of the living God. It is powerfully humiliating and completely sin-purging, but then it is sweetly preparative for those gracious consolations which proud, unhumbled spirits are unable to receive. And it is distinctly and discriminating, for it belongs to the elect of God and to them alone. Now, in closing, he says, and I wholeheartedly agree, the text commands us to rend our hearts, but they're naturally hard as marble. So how then can this be done? We must take them to Calvary. A dying Savior's voice rent the rocks once, and it is as powerful now. O oh, blessed Spirit, let us hear the death cries of Jesus, and our hearts shall be rent even as men rend their vestures. Oh, Jesus, let us hear once again your dying groanings that we be humbled, that we understand that it's our sins that put you on that cross. This is, this is our call to you today as we close this broadcast to in your heart Repent of your sin, and in your heart surrender your will, and in effect turn from darkness to light, and from Satan to God, and from sin to Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. And experience true repentance because of the true conviction of sin, and true repentance of sin and a true conversion or spiritual regeneration. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. And God wants to work that work in your heart today. Hallelujah. And if you're a Christian and, and you see your liberty as license to sin, God forbid, come home. Come back into the presence of God. Come back to the true teachings of the Word of God. Let it cleanse you, even as the blood cleansed you initially, positionally. Let the work of, 
a Holy Spirit loose in you to cleanse you personally and practically. Praise God for you are clean through the word that Jesus teaches you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Friend of mine, the hour is late. The work is great and the labors are few. Today, let God sanctify you, cleanse you, and make you meet for the Master's use just by being through the power of the Holy Spirit. A follower of Jesus today, you will be a witness unto Him everywhere you go. And every one you meet will know that you are different because of what Jesus has done within you today. And once again, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I know He's working in your heart. I know the Holy Spirit is right there today. And I know you feel the need for a Savior. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. And as you run to Him, you realize something has happened. In order to run to Him, you're running away from the darkness running away from the devil, turning your back on darkness, turning your back on the devil, turning your heart toward home. Run to Jesus. Run to the cross of Calvary. In that running to Him, in your heart you've repented of your sin and you're receiving Him now as your Lord and Savior. And your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name.